Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here, your co-host for the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And uh, as always, I have my lovely co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Hi. And uh, we have an amazing guest today. We have Melissa Leslie, who is a thought-provoking artist, author, health advocate, and entrepreneur. As a persistent brand builder, Leslie is internationally known for her fine art reflecting musical inspirations and deeply symbolic works depicting spiritual thought processes, experiences, and revelations. She has dedicated over two decades defining her craft through oil paint, fashion design, graphic design, film, photography, and showing all along the West Coast in galleries and art events. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you guys for having me. Yes, it's our absolute pleasure. Let's go ahead and start by having you share, how did you hear about this project and why did you choose to join us today to share your story? Well, I was searching online because I'm writing some stories right now for children's books and Filipino American organizations are kind of hard to find, I feel, and I found you guys, and I was like, what? I'm a Filipino-American, and I'm a woman, and so I was checking out all of your work, and yeah, that's how I found you. I'm trying to connect more with Filipino-American organizations, because in the Midwest where I grew up, there was literally me and my mom and my brothers, and that was it, so it's nice to know that there's other people like me. (laughs) (laughs) That's very, that's very awesome. I tend to find that with a lot of us, we either come from like one or two backgrounds, one where we're completely immersed in the Filipino community, because we have our like entire family that immigrated from the Philippines, and you're just kind of in that community, or there's the other side where you're sort of planted in, for lack of a better term, like a white community. (laughs) And, and uh, you're constantly being at yeah, you're constantly being asked, like, so what are you? Where are you from? And la la la. And uh, yeah. and you really have to live this uphill battle of having to constantly uh, explain yourself. But along the way, you do become articulate. So there's, I think, there's good and bad things to that experience. But I think you become, uh, yeah, just a little more char- charismatic because of it. And so how long have you been living in the West Coast now? I moved out in 2004 to the Bay Area. And then I've been up and down the coast for the last, I don't know, 14 years, I think, something wow. like that. Yeah. What made you uh, choose to uproot your life from the Midwest and come to the West Coast? Well, uh, being a minority out there was pretty rough. There's a lot of racism and being an artist, too, was a big push for that. And so I was like, San Francisco is the place for me. And when I got there, I was just like, oh, my goodness, I feel like I'm at home. There's so many different cultures and culinary art and just artists in general. So, I mean, artists already are kind of like subculture. And then just being a Filipino-American out where there's a sea of white people and English speaking and there's not much going on. Yeah, I tend to find that most people who are creative tend to gravitate toward metropolitan areas. Uh, Like a lot of our interviews this month have been from people living in New York City or around that. And then, of course, the Bay Area is I've never been there, but I'm uh, I'm aware that it's also a very artsy community as well. And then if not that, there's L.A. So it seems like a lot of us tend to gravitate to those type of places, uh, especially if we're creative. Yes, definitely. I'm um, a Bay Area native, Oakland, born and raised, and I can definitely attest to that. Lots of diversity here and lots of creative minds. Yes. I remember going out to Oakland for some jazz. Yoshi's, it's like a jazz club. Oh, yeah. I actually had uh, my birthday last year there, my birthday dinner. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I love Yoshi's. 
you know, the, the interesting thing about this podcast show is that I've never been to the Bay Area, and yet most of our listeners are actually listening from the Bay Area. So it's it's kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think with uh, enough listeners, I might go visit there one day, and maybe we'll have a live show. <laughs> yeah, yes. you definitely have to plan on that. We're going to get a whole to-do list ready for you <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. introduce you to the Bay. <laughs> I would love that. I, I would love to like show up and someone just show me around. Like, that's great. Yeah, my, I'll my be your tour guide. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Like um, the first time I visited New York city, my, my sister currently lives there and she had this entire list of things to do with me. And we were so efficient at doing it that we had, like we finished it within a day. And so the last day on, on a Sunday, we're like, so what do you want to do now? But it was so awesome because even a couple of weeks ago, I was in Toronto with with some relatives there that I didn't realize I had. And I really, it really got me to appreciate how savvy my sister is with the city because my relatives in Toronto, like when we went to the city, they had no, like they had no idea how to travel around. So we spent like hours just trying to figure out how to find the subway and, and, and do everything. Right. So yeah, if I can show up to a place where people already know where to show me around and everything, that would be awesome. <laughs> I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Yes, I got you. <laughs> noted, noted. So my family and I, we were just talking about meeting up for the holidays. Uh, my immediate family live, lives in a, a SoCal. And so who knows, maybe for the holidays, I might come visit and take a trip up there. But we'll see, we'll see. It's like four months away. So <laughs> anything can happen in four months. So Melissa, I, uh, I was, I've been following you on Instagram and social media naturally, because that's what a host does for their show to get some background on them. And you're doing so many things out there and I, and I love it for everyone who is learning about you for the first time. Why don't you uh, share a, let's say a snapshot of your life today. What keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays? Oh, a snapshot of my day. Well, since I became a mother, it's a lot different than, you know, being an entrepreneur before the baby. Me and my husband, we have to communicate pretty well on what we want to do. He's also an artist, so mm. we are trying to create these projects while homeschooling our babies. I talk to him a lot about what does our next day look like often, almost every night. And because he cuts commercials too, so sometimes he gets like 20 commercials that he needs to do like in the next day. And then I'll be like, okay, so I'm going to be spending the next couple of days with the baby straight up. Or he'll say tomorrow I might have some time and then I'll be able to create artwork or finish a project. So it's a lot of like balancing every day on a whim and figuring out what we want to do with our priorities because we want to spend quality time with our babies also and not just to be so hardcore working. <laughs> I think that's really awesome and admirable. What I find in a lot of relationships, there's usually someone that's stable, you know, has maybe like a full-time job. And then there's the other one that is the creative. And then throughout the years of being together, sometimes it shifts where someone chooses to have a stable job and then the other one chooses to uh, pursue their passion. And so I think it's really cool how both of you are creative and you're artists and together you have found a way to be a family and, and have balance in pursuing your passions as well. Yeah, it's pretty tough sometimes because I'll be like, I really have a, a big idea and I'm passionate about something. I want to get it done. I don't want to be halfway there for my babies and halfway thinking about a project. So it's kind of like, okay, I have to make a mental switch before I dive into the day and have full focus on whatever it is that is set before me for that day. I don't have kids. I have a dog. He's basically my no, child. He's my my only child. He's very spoiled. He's he's literally sitting right next to me right now. It's um I have this uh it's uh yeah anyway, he's he's literally right next to me. So if he barks, then now you know that he was next to me. So um my husband and I we uh, run a business together and like I'm I'm very like operations type person and systems oriented and completing things and he's the very opposite. He's like the visionary. He's the reason why what we do exists. Um, however, when you mix those two together, like my, my personality and his, 
it's very like every day is different. We're not artists, but we're definitely like creative in our own way. And every day just looks different. And one thing, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see like if you have any tips on this actually, <laughs> but one, <laughs> one way I have found to organize my life in the moment, not like what am I going to do every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, et cetera. Like mm -hmm. in every moment I've learned to use this strategy that I learned from a good friend. Uh, shout out to Mia Moens. She actually has a startup business in uh, chocolate. So really cool. I need to, I need to interview her again, but anyway, side note. But anyway, she, she was sharing this strategy. It's called the NNN method. So it's three N's. First mm -hmm. one stands for now. The second one stands for next. And the third one uh, stands for not yet. And so in any given moment, when I feel overwhelmed or something, I'll kind of like, I'll, I'll do this like on a Trello board or I'll make post-its, but I'll list out all the things that I'm overwhelmed about. And then I sort it by what do I need to accomplish now? And then what can I do after that? And then what's what, like everything else can wait till later. So that's what I usually find works really well for me in how sporadic our life can be. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that you probably have something uh, similar as well. Yeah, very similar. It's like making lists all the time and then reprioritizing them as you go. Mm -hmm. Because you never know like, okay, I got something going on, but now the baby really need me. So that might take a couple hours and then your deadlines start to hit and you're like, okay, this one has to be bumped up all the way to the top. So yeah, they're always getting reorganized. <laughs> I've been in operations. I've been like an executive assistant for the majority of my professional career. So I can definitely relate to that, even though I do not have kids that lists rule my life. Lists and calendar invites <laughs> are how I organize my life. And yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of necessary for anyone that's being trying to be productive and just trying to stay on top of things. Yeah, I knew um, you and I were going to be good friends, Nani, when you accepted my calendar invite that first time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I live by my calendar. <laughs> yeah, like I like you'd be surprised. Like I have I've run into adults who don't know how to accept a calendar invite still. It's quite odd for me. So I have to like either text them or email them or something, but I always appreciate it when people like give me that confirmation that they're going to be that they're <laughs> going to be there for that time um, especially right. since we juggle with like a lot of different time zones so it's like okay good like this this is the time we all agreed on and if it changes you mess it you mess up the plan and it's going to be so hard right. to schedule again because everyone lives <laughs> in different places you know I'm just ranting I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> about that stuff. Uh, well, Melissa, I actually want to uh, backtrack a little bit. This podcast show is really dedicated to, you know, individuals who live or have lived in America, uh, have Filipino descent and identify as female. Part of the reason why you were attracted to the show is you felt like you can relate to uh, the people that were speaking on it and what was, you know, put out on social media. So I'd love to hear uh, on, on your end, uh, how, why you identify as a Filipino American woman. Yeah, well, growing up, like I said, it was like me and my family. There wasn't many other, well, there was like one other Asian person in my town growing up. And then, um, yeah, whenever I would say I'm Filipino, people are like, what? What's a fallopian tube? I was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was wow. pretty bad out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just like small stories like that throughout my life. And so then I moved out to San Francisco and I, I met so many more Filipino-Americans. and. I was just like, oh, my goodness, there's more of me out here. Um, <laughs> so being a minority and a female and an artist, I wanted to bring those things up to the forefront of my work because I feel like if there was one of me out there, there's probably, you know, more that don't have people that they connect with or um, have stories or art or books that they can read. So I wanted to really focus on those things that bring identity and heritage back to first, second, third generation Filipino-Americans. That is beautiful. And, you know, one thing I enjoy about doing this show so far is a lot of people we've interviewed, um, and I'm sure, Nani, you can attest to this as well, a lot of us are trying to be the change that we want to see. I think it's really awesome that you have chosen uh, to do that as, as well. 
Yeah. It's important for us to support each other, too. It's like, because there's so many things that you can get involved with, but like the core of who we are and our identity and, you know, what we're passing on as a family to our friends and to our communities, we have the opportunity to make it really excellent. And I feel like that's what I want to contribute to my community and to my children and their children. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Kind of how you touched on the fact that when you came here to San Francisco, you it kind of like opened your eyes and you felt like there was finally weren't alone, which is interesting for me because I've been here my whole life and still felt very isolated, even kind of being immersed in it, I guess, physically or geographically immersed in it. I still feel the same way that you felt having come here and experienced that and where I find my healing in, in that is through this podcast and things online. So yeah, I I can just relate to that. I feel like for myself, I've learned the way that I wanted to learn about my culture by creating my own stuff, like such as this podcast show, because in college, uh, I was part of a Filipino organization. And the things that they were addressing were a lot about the injustice that Filipinos have gone through, just about discrimination, lots of these things. It was a lot of um, addressing those issues and doing marches and stuff. And although all of that is important and valid and so needed, Mm -hmm. I wasn't angry enough to do that, (laughs) you know, and I had other experiences throughout the community where I was in and out of it. And then ultimately, oh, also the other thing I want to add is I did take a Filipino American history class in college, but I felt so disconnected to the material and even intimidated by all the facts and figures that would be, you know, in these textbooks that I almost felt I don't know, wrong. You know, I I felt like I was like, well, how come I how come this is not resonating with me? But the one thing that has always resonated with me is hearing stories from people that look and sound like me. And so I feel like I've learned so much more about my culture and heritage and everything because of these type of interactions. Nani, you, you kind of mentioned that as well, like how you've been learning more, like even doing this podcast together. And so part of how I found you, Melissa, was you have a children's book, the Kickstarter that you just launched called Kamusta Baby. And um, <laughs> first of all, yeah. I, I had learned how to spell Kamusta because of your book. I, I, I not that I not... <laughs> Not that I bought it yet, but like I remember when in a in a previous episode that Nani and I did, we were trying to search for the book again and, and try to find your Instagram account. And I put Kamusta with a K-A. Because of you, Melissa, I've learned how to spell Kamusta correctly. Hooray! So thank you for that. <laughs> and so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you did that. Because, you know, one of the goals even for this project, the Filipino American Woman Project, is to get a book done with a collection of all the stories that get told in these shows. But I'm curious to see like how you did that. And I'm sure it takes some, some expertise to create a book for children specifically. Oh, my goodness. When I first started researching about doing children's books, well, I first made one and I just did it. It was kind of like a poem about knowing your identity, just as a daughter of the king. I'm a believer. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to make a book about that. And so it definitely is not professional, but I've been researching more about story writing. And to write a children's book, I feel like that's even harder than writing like an adult book because everything has to be so simplified down to its core. Like, what do you want to get across to the person within like three words? Mm. (laughs) So it's been pretty tough. But, you know, going through this process, I wanted to do a Filipino American series and I wanted to start out basic. So like what's the most basic form of a Filipino American book. And so I wanted to start as a um, baby's first word. So mm. that's why I created Kamusta Baby. And just like, what do I want to pass on to my kids? Maybe they won't speak full Tagalog, but I would like them to have remnants of their ancestry. So that's something that I wanted to create for them. I would love if they could be immersed in the language, but I just don't know if that's possible yet unless we move somewhere where they hear all the time. But I want them to have something like that. Unfortunately, I feel like for myself, I i mean, unless I really hire someone who is going to teach me the language, 
it's not going to happen for me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, unless you're with somebody all the time and that's, you know, they're speaking all the time too, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to ask where that motivation came from, Melissa, to want to provide that kind of background and context for your kids and help them kind of shape their identities as having Filipino descent and kind of where do you pull that influence from? I have been researching the Filipino American communities and like I do notice there is a lot of like protesting and great things that are happening, but I feel like the base jump is off of something negative. And I wanted mm-hmm. to bring something positive that we jump off of. It's like create stories and things that we can positively influence our communities while bringing the beauty of the Philippines and the, the culture and the richness of it. So I wanted to pass that on to my babies because I feel like it's so beautiful. I don't want them to just pull on the negative things because there's a lot of it, especially if you're mm-hmm. growing up in like the Midwest where it's a lot of negative stuff. Not always, but I mean, some of the experiences that I had, I wish there would have been something for me to be like, oh my goodness, there's so much greatness here and this is a positive thing to be different. So I want them to know, you know, the beauty of Filipino language and the culture and the communities. I was just thinking, I like how you touch upon how a lot of what we learn tends to come from a negative place. And this is like no offense to anyone who is doing the good work out there. And like, there's a time and place for everything. Ecclesiastes 3, everyone, (laughs) for all you believers. My favorite Bible verse. (laughs) I swear I'm going to like tattoo that on me one of these days. But anyway, (laughs) sorry for swearing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Father God. Like, also, I'm thinking, like, it's not just what we're learning externally that could be negative, but even internally. Like, I think about my family, and because of our historical background and the colonization and everything, like, Philippines itself is still essentially a baby country. It's barely, it's barely been independent for what, 60, 70 years now. And so there's a lot of just a lot of this energy is and fuel is is very negative. And I find that the people I tend to connect with nowadays in this community are women who kind of want to take back the power and really come from a place of positivity than that kind of anger kind of thing. Even with this podcast, we want to focus on celebrating women where they're at and just kind of go from there. And so I think it's so awesome that you're creating this very positive foundation foundation for not just your children, but for other Filipino and more specifically Filipino American children for generations to come. (laughs) Yeah, positive is the best base jump, I feel. I feel like I had to learn that later in life, but I I completely agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. The teenage and like college angst years were a lot of the fuel of some of my work in the past, but over these last few years, I'm just like, why don't we start somewhere fresh? Because you're going to make something better if your foundation is stronger. Yes, I agree. It, it's really rebuilding or building your foundation with quality material as opposed to, you know, for lack of a better term, the cheap material that, yeah, we were able to survive, but it, there's a lot of traumas that we carried along the way. And so it's nice to kind of build a new pavement, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, Put, and then when we have a, a new pavement, we can have other people, you know, stand with us and we can just, you know, spread more, more goodness out there, I think. And I, I know that sounds really corny, but it makes sense, right? <laughs> like what it's I'm saying. True, it's true. I'm always saying like, yeah. I want to build a palace to where my daughters can build their future on the ceilings of it. So our foundation has to be positively strong in order for their generation to build something even more dope. I think it's also really awesome that you are intentionally doing that. Think about my parent or my mom. Um, She was a a widow when I was only 10 years old. And so her Mm -hmm. life was really just about providing. And we didn't really get any stories from her. You know, her way of storytelling was just through action and what she would, the superstitions she would say to us like, oh, you know, don't go to sleep with your hair wet or else you're going to be blind the next day. (laughs) You know, like, like my stories for her was more of, like, like just what I saw through her actions and what she would say to me, like get a stable job. Like, okay. So that tells me that her story in her life was about getting stability. And uh, mm-hmm. of course, in, in her situation, that made complete sense. But mm-hmm. uh, it's only in the recent years when my mom and now that my mom and I are uh, closer, where 
it's a, we could bring up stories of the past and it's not like I couldn't before. I think I was just very intimidated or angry at her. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But now it's like, I can go back I can, when I'm with her, it's like, Oh, tell, you know, tell us about dad, tell us about, you know, your life in the Philippines. And it's nice that we can uh, pull that from someone or pull that from her and do it from a a positive place now, as opposed to like back then I I wanted to just know nothing about my family and my relatives and stuff because I had such an awful relationship with a lot of them which we'll probably talk about in a future episode (laughs) yeah I'm gonna have to write a book about these things (laughs) Uh, all right Jen Amos here jumping into the middle of our show as I always do to remind you why this show is possible so you know at the end of every episode I tend to say if you didn't catch our guest contact info don't worry we'll have those in the show notes Check them out. I worked so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial. That's right, free with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the Philam, short for Filipino American Woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of what we've been doing on on the show and and just connecting with other women is this whole like healing process and healing together. And I feel like one thing that'll eventually manifest out of this is like like steps on how to find healing and overcome your traumas and you know rewrite <laughs> your story to something more positive. Like I feel like that's coming. Like it's it's manifesting. It. Yeah. So it's in my, yeah, in my I like thought. all of that verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So good thing that's recorded because I can just go back to this and pull that verbiage <laughs> like later. <laughs> well, awesome. I, I want to go ahead and shift gears again and get to my favorite part of the show, which is talking about life lessons and the stories that led to those life lessons. I feel like the reason why we go through life is so we can be is so we can learn lessons and be an example of a lesson to other people. So Melissa, when, when I had asked you what the biggest life lesson you've learned uh, so far in your life that you want to share on the show, uh, you said that knowing how richly loved we are sets up the success of all we are destined to become for our purpose, our value, and so many other good things. And I think that's awesome. And I'd love to get your take on that and what aspect of your life or series of moments in your life that led you to that life lesson. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so growing up in Indiana, I grew up in a household that was not very communicative. And so talking about feelings or anything deep was pretty hard because there wasn't a lot of communicating going on. It wasn't encouraged. So then growing up, I got into a lot of craziness. I mean, if you don't know who you are and you don't know your value, your purpose, or that you have a destiny, you'll take anybody's word for it and you'll Mm -hmm. fall into a lot of crazy stuff. And people will tell you what your worth is, and you'll just take them for the word. So I was on the crazy path of partying and all kinds of stuff that goes with that. Many nights of just just being super, you know, laced on drugs or alcohol. And so I did that throughout most of my teenage years and into San Francisco, not knowing who I was, I was searching for it. I knew that my family believed in God, but I didn't believe in him because of so many different situations. And so one night I was just like, okay, I need to come back to Jesus. And I just felt his presence there. And I was in my house and it was dark and it was, there's just so many bottles around. Um, none of my friends, quote unquote, showed up to 
see how I was doing. I didn't have any family there. So that was my big turning point, and God was just there. He met me there, and he was just instilling this deep sense of purpose and love, and he's like, okay, I'm so happy that you've come home. I'm going to show you who you are. And throughout, since then, he's just been showing me, like peeling back all of these layers of the lies that I've been living and showing me how much he loves me through so many different ways. And I think more recently, it's having children because I never wanted to have children. I'm just like, I don't want to have children. I mean, <laughs> I married a Puerto Rican, and that's all they <laughs> like to do is make children. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sorry, baby, we're not having children. I want to adopt, maybe. But God told me, no, it's time that you think about it because there's, you know, another level of purpose that I have for you. And he's just been revealing all of these things, like, you know, different seasons in my life how much he loves me and the more I know how much I'm loved and how much he loves each individual it just makes life so much more rich and so much more sacred and purposeful that is big life lesson is if I would have had that foundation of knowing that identity and the value and purpose over my life younger it would have done so much more for everything that I want to do now there's been a few like sages, like old sages that I've run into through like different churches and stuff, even while I was partying that would just speak these words of like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, just have me bawling and like these different characters in my life have always spoke like they're like these little love notes that God just inserts in your life throughout all the different stages to bring you closer to him. He is always seeking us. And it's just like love is going to find a way into your heart. And yeah, just knowing who you are, your identity, how valuable you are, that would just change the world for me as a younger person. And now that's my big life lesson. And I feel like that's what I'm revealing more and more in my work. Mm, Wow. And done. No, <laughs> oh, very, very well said. I think that a lot of us in general tend to act based off of what we think we're lacking in life. You mm. know, thinking we're not Filipino enough, we're not American enough, we're not living up to our parents' standards. We're, and then even if mm. we try to uh, be independent, we feel like we're not a- enough. I really think a lot of the Filipina experience is just not feeling enough. When you um, realize uh, how much God loves you, you realize that you were never really lacking. He, yeah. he was always there with you. I, I, I learned this before where either of you can articulate this better if if you can, but I remember I was a part of this spiritual coaching group that was, it was like this year long experience. It was very intensive and, and it was really cool. It was basically like unpacking a lot of lies and replacing them with truths and stuff like that. There was a discussion about like, why did God give Adam and Eve a choice to eat the apple or not? You know, why did they give them a choice to love God? And we discussed that he gave us a choice because if he didn't give us a choice, then he wouldn't be able to show how much he loves us. And if, if you don't give a choice, that's not really love. That's that's just that's just not that's like being a prisoner, you know, and and so yeah. when um I love that, you know, no matter what happens in life, and I consider myself a believer as well. I I don't know how to I don't know how best way to describe my level of believing, but I I just like to say that I have a very solid relationship with God and he loves me for like all my imperfections and all the curse words I say and uh, mm-hmm. just questioning my identity and and a bunch of other things. But what I love yeah. about my relationship with him and and you know just just so you all know my part of my backstory too is I lost my dad when I was 10 so I always had a complicated mm-hmm. relationship with men in general and like people that came off as father figures like part of why I would always get fired at my jobs was because most of my bosses were men and I think I had a problem <laughs> with it but the the luxury that we have for choice is is like we're always reminded every time we make a mistake that that mistake doesn't define us like like fundamentally you know going back to building that solid foundation you know that foundation was already there like beneath beneath what you think is like cheap concrete is already god like he's already there he's already solid and when you realize that you don't have to stand on your own two feet anymore because figuratively speaking he's there and he's he's your solid (laughs) yeah for sure yeah yeah i think that all came up in you know searching for identity too it's like i think your culture 
is a sacred thing and the you know like the next deeper thing is who are you as spirit beings because we are spirit filled people regardless of what we believe in so it's just like you know just finding that identity and once you know who you are it's just like it's a done deal everything you do is going to be gold yeah absolutely (laughs) what do you want from me (laughs) (laughs) yeah right right yeah it's kind of cool like I mean it's not it's not kind of cool it's really cool because a lot of the times when I I was telling Nani this and in a past episode that I do these shows almost haphazardly. I mean, yeah, I have like, I have like interview questions and stuff at this point, but it's not necessarily about being perfect on the show. It's about just being an example to hopefully for other people who come on the show or are not ready to come on the show to see that they don't have to be perfect at doing this. Cause it's not about perfection. It's just about being you and especially the parts that you think you're most imperfect and flawed that part of you could be saving someone else's life and and you may not know that if you don't put that part of you out there so good stuff good talk ladies <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I um I didn't get a chance to get Nani's thoughts in this did you have anything you wanted to add I mean I love to hear that I feel like Melissa you really hit it hit the nail on the head when you whatever you said about when you don't know your purpose and you know what you're here supposed to do that you believe anybody and can fall can spiral fast and that is also Mm -hmm. essentially what happened in my life I went through a huge partying phase as well and my life just started spiraling slowly but surely and while my spiritual or religious experience has not been uh, as strong as your examples. This is still me here trying to get it together (laughs) and (laughs) searching for my identity and learning more about my heritage and my roots has kind of been what's grounded me a lot and what's helped me to switch that gear and change direction. So, yeah. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here, just cutting in the middle. Uh, This next part is going to sound a little muffled. I'm going to keep it in here because the point that Melissa is going to make, uh, I think, justifies why I keep this muffled part in. But before I jump into it or before we get into it, I want to summarize what Melissa had said and my interpretation of it so that when you are listening in, uh, hopefully you will pick up the same message uh, that she is trying to convey that I am trying to explain here with a more clear audio, okay? So in response to Nani saying that, you know, she is finding healing through this experience with doing the podcast show and searching for her identity and her culture and heritage and what have you, Melissa had shared, she had responded by saying, you know, you don't really know what you're doing sometimes, even if you don't think it's good, that can in fact be such a positive experience or a healing experience for someone else. So with this next part, Melissa explains that she had an event where other artists come over and experience creating art or just talking uh, with other artists about their work. So she had a piece out that she had considered her most demonic, grotesque piece. But this girl started to listen in on what Melissa's piece and painting was about, and she started weeping so much that she actually asked Melissa to tell the story over and over again as to why this painting was created. Even though it wasn't her best artwork, in her opinion, there was a lot of her own healing process that went through this piece of work, this piece of painting. So she explains that you never know what people are going to see in what you do. And so the overall message in uh, what Melissa is about to say is that you never really know how impactful the work that you're doing is in fact impacting other people, even if you don't think it's your best work. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in and hopefully uh, you'll be able to hear that for yourself and interpret it in your own way. Yeah, you don't never, you know, you don't really know what you're doing sometimes when you're creating, at least for me, like I created this piece one time and we had a big art loft where I invited just people over to experience 
creating art or just talking, I just come over and hang out. And I have this pizza. It's probably the most demonic-looking piece, but this girl started to listen in on what the piece is about, and she just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And she's like, can you please tell me that story again? And she was sitting there for like three hours having me repeat what was happening in this painting. And it was a part of a lot of my like healing process went through that particular series of work. And you never know what people are going to receive. That one's like, you know, probably the most grotesque-looking painting, but <laughs> some people will find healing in, you know, what you think is not your best work. You never really know yeah. what you do until, you know, somebody's just weeping for hours in front of your work. Mm. Yeah, I love absolutely. that. I'm grateful to just be at a place where I could just be me because I, I already know that I'm loved and mm-hmm. I know that there's only one person I really need to report to <laughs> and please yeah. and everything. So if other people actually come forward, if people are direct messaging me on Instagram about project or anything else and saying how much the things that I've created had impacted them, I'm not mm-hmm. living for that. I see it as like awesome feedback that like, oh, cool. Like one, this was a healing experience for me, uh, but two, Mm -hmm. it was able to help someone else. And that like, I didn't live for that, but that's so awesome that it did help someone else. Yes, for sure. I mean, that's what we do. We live for each other too. Our audience is one, but it's so much greater when you can pull everybody up another level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like we had such an awesome conversation <laughs> uh, talking, yeah, talking about where we came from and talking about the importance of uh, telling your story and knowing how much you are loved. I've really enjoyed this conversation. For any of our listeners, if this show resonated with you in any way, you're more than welcome to check out our show notes to see how you can get a hold of us. You can actually leave us a voice message or shoot us an email or you can DM us on Instagram. Uh, Or we actually, I I don't bring this up very often because I'm not active in it, but uh, not lately at least, but we actually have a Facebook group. (laughs) And uh, I've kind of like steered away from Facebook after a while because like my mom sees everything on there and I feel like I've in a weird way, got turned off by having family seeing my life. I don't know. That's probably something we can discuss in another conversation. But anyway. I would love to discuss that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, have a, have future discussions about that. But anyway, I kind of just post, like I, whenever we have a podcast out, I just post it and that's it. But for me, like most of my engagement has been on on Instagram lately and, and I'm okay with it. I think, you know, my communication and everyone's communication like kind of changes and it has its phases. Like sometimes you're obsessed with calling people and then sometimes you're obsessed with texting or emailing. For me right now, it's Instagram and, you know, so be it. But yes. if you are on Facebook and you uh, are into Facebook groups, and I apologize that I'm not into it lately, but we do have a Facebook group. You can join it. Um, you just have to look up the Filipino American Woman Project community, I think. Uh, just DM me if you want details. Maybe I'll add in the show notes. I don't know. Anyway, we have a lot of ways you can get a hold of us. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Melissa, do you have any closing thoughts? I know that with your Kickstarter, you mentioned that you are open to maybe feedback and suggestions for your work. I'd love to uh, have you kind of talk about that if, if you'd like. So I am creating Filipino-American series of children's books right now. This first one is The Kamusta Baby, which is Baby's First Tagalog Words and Tagalog in English. And then there's also an activity book that goes with it. So you can have, you know, uh, activities for pre-K kids. And I am also releasing another activity book based on my first book, which is Princesses of Purpose. It's a little more like a devotional, critical thinking for spiritual and emotional processing. And it also has, you know, coloring pages and fun things for kids around three to seven. So this is kind of like the beginning of this series, but I'm creating this bigger work, which is more like a picture book series based on a Filipino-American family and traditions and connecting, unifying everything like in our culture. It's kind of a, a big project, but I feel like it's something important for us to provide representation in children's books. We need more diversity. Something like 6% in 2006 was diverse as far as not being white. So I was like, Mm. that's not right. And that needs to change. And our kids need to see themselves in stories. So I'm trying to be a part of that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah. You know, we very much look forward to being part of your journey and feel free to hop on again on our show if uh, you have any major milestones in the future. Um, I'm just going to assume that the show is going to go on for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) If it doesn't, it'll, it'll, I'm sure it'll take into another form because I always like to say that I'm always going to be Filipino. So I'm going to end up creating something for the community Mm -hmm. one way or the other. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think that's beautiful. And it's great to have spoken to someone such as yourself that I really feel like is in the forefront of this, because at least for me, you're the first person I have met that is creating these books specifically for for Filipino children. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So before we go, uh, Nani, do you have any closing thoughts? Okay, hi everyone. This next part was actually supposed to be edited out, but in the theme of putting things out there, whether we think it's good or not, could still have the potential to impact or benefit others. I've decided to have this part in, especially for Filipinas who are interested in publishing a book, uh, particularly a children's book, And also, if you live in the Bay Area, we discuss ideas of what could be possible if we all collaborated in the Bay Area. So if you don't know a little bit about me, I actually live in the East Coast in Virginia Beach. And for a couple of episodes now, we've been hinting that I should consider visiting the Bay Area. So I figured I'd use this moment to continue manifesting that and bringing the Filipino American Woman Project out there. So I'm going to leave this next part in. And as I said, we get into talking about publishing a book and the potential of collaborating in the Bay Area. So if you are listening to this episode and you are in the Bay Area and you want to potentially collaborate with us, uh, listen to what we're about to say and would love to get your thoughts and have you reach out to possibly contribute to what could possibly, (laughs) what could possibly potentially happen if Jen Amos visits the Bay Area. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and jump back into the episode. I did want to ask, I told you this before, Jen, but Melissa, my best friend is also half Filipina and she just had a baby and uh, she wrote a book that she wants to get published. Um, So if there's any advice for like beginners starting out doing like the exact same thing essentially as what you're doing, take it for her yeah (laughs) advice for her just keep on writing I've been looking up uh writers that I can learn from and I'm currently listening to an audible book called invisible ink and it gives really great outline on how to create a story and if you're creating it for kids it's just like you know taking this paragraph and turning it into three sentences and that's your story basically what you're trying to do yeah and self-publishing for me is kind of the only way to go because trying to get a publisher is like a whole nother job but you can do that she's just starting to explore that now (laughs) and she's like oh my goodness it's like you have to hire somebody to do all that and I ain't got time for that so (laughs) right I'm going to ADP (laughs) yeah okay there's Facebook groups for writers indie writers to connect and ask tons of questions so you have to be invited so I can give you the link. Yeah, it's a group that's serious about like, what do I do if I'm about to launch a book? Or what do I do with these ISBN numbers? It's all this technical stuff. But if she's serious about doing, you know, a book, I can send you the links. Yeah, no, she definitely is. And she actually already wrote the first one. She doesn't do social media, so she doesn't have a Facebook. (laughs) But I'll let her log in if she wants to, if she wants to. Yeah, definitely. You'll have to have a web presence somewhere. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Look at this networking. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of us. Yeah, and we ever, you know, maybe we could do a group talk if she does eventually get it out there. That'd be cool. I'd like yes, to you know, her. I'm sure by the time that Jen makes her way to the Bay Area, <laughs> she should have her book published. So <laughs> I think that'll oh work my out goodness. great, actually. <laughs> we should count We're on that. We're going to have to do like a big book release convention. <laughs> oh yes, <my> yes. <gasps> Ladies. That'd be dope. 
that okay okay <laughs> no pressure this, Jen <laughs> oh no no pressure at all I'm I'm more inspired like I love that but yeah <laughs> like that would be so awesome not just coming up there for like a podcast show but maybe bringing other Filipinas together and whatever art or creative things that they have that they're contributing to the community to have us all come together I think that would be uh, so awesome oh yes. I love it I love it count me in I will be a part of that <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right. Awesome, Melissa. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. And uh, for anyone that is listening, I hope that you enjoyed listening to our conversation as well. And as I mentioned, if you want to add to the conversation or provide any feedback or uh, what have you, just check out our show notes. We'll have all the ways you can contact us. Also, Melissa, if anyone wants to get a hold of you and learn more about your Kickstarter and your books and all the amazing things that you're doing, how can they do that? Uh, the best way right now would be my website, which is melissaleslieq.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at melissaleslieq or melissaleslieqart, which is more of my fine art-based stuff. But yeah, I'm also on Facebook, but you can find everything on my website, which is melissaleslieq.com. And of course, my Kickstarter. It's on the front page. <laughs> Yes, that's one of the first things I noticed when I went on your website <laughs> was your Kickstarter. Yes, there it is. Awesome. And uh, listeners, if you didn't get that, don't worry. That will also be in the show notes. I'm just so generous to our listeners. I just put everything there and I just set you up for success. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, Nani, thank you for co-hosting with me as always. I really appreciate it. You don't have to thank me, Jen. Okay, I will, I will demand it from now on. <laughs> you are no longer appreciated. <laughs> oh, but thank you anyway for the acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah, it's totally joking. <laughs> All right, listeners. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Nani. Thank you, both of you, for being on. We are so excited about this project and everything else that's going on. And we look forward to featuring more amazing women in upcoming episodes. So until then, we'll see you all next time. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Melissa. We appreciated having you. And there you have it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you'd like to hear more stories and life lessons told by the Filipino-American woman. If you're interested in sharing your story, please contact us at thefilipinoamericanwoman at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at thefilipinoamericanwoman. Until next time. <laughs>